You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Boom! Here we go again, ladies and gentlemen, it's hump day. I don't know why they call it hump day when uh, most of the people do it on the weekends. Zinger! Okay, that was my attempt at humor. It fell really short. I do apologize. And um, if there are any kids listening to that and you, now you have to explain to them what I'm talking about, I, sub, I'm, I seriously apologize. Really, not really. Any, anyway... Today's podcast, we have another kick-ass podcast, and uh, it is with Nick Penizzato. He is the CEO of the National Deer Alliance. You guys know him. He's been on this podcast uh, a couple times before, and uh, today we are specifically going to be talking about CWD, and uh, he is just going to give us an update in the world of CWD. He's going to talk a lot about some research that they've been doing with some monkeys, um, what we can do to become better informed, better educated, uh, and how to basically talk and and also how to know what is real versus what is not real when it comes to CWD and uh, where we should get our information from. And that's what today's podcast is about. It's chock full of information. It revolves around a, a subject that I think right now is very fitting. A lot of us are really focused on hunting strategy, hunting products. Uh, the The season is getting ready to open. And it's almost like at times like this, we have blinders on. And we don't think of anything else uh, except hunting. And there are other issues that are very serious that are out there. Um, and in my personal opinion, myself included, we as hunters need to do a better job of just remembering that, you know, diseases like CWD is a huge problem for the deer herd. And, and we need to remember that when we are out enjoying and doing what it is we love. And the second part of that is I also feel that the hunting industry in general does a poor job of not just 
conservation efforts in general, but uh, really bringing to light and informing other hunters about deer disease and other conservation efforts. So, um, you know, just something to think about. I don't want this to be a, a Debbie Downer episode, but uh, I, f- I felt it fitting that as the season starts, we have to remember that things like this just can't get swept under the rug. Uh, and uh, Nick is going to talk to us a little bit about that today. Now, before we get into to today's podcast, I want to talk a little bit about Deer Lab. As you know, if you go to DeerLab.com slash Nine Fingers, that's the number nine followed by the word fingers, uh, you can sign up and receive a free 30-day trial period. Uh, and what is good about that? is right now if you're just getting ready to start uh, your hunting season or maybe you already have is the absolute perfect time to get this free 30-day trial period you take all your past trail camera pictures you dump them into deer lab and there is a potential based off of how many trail camera pictures you have what trail camera pics you have of you know, specific deer that you can put together a game plan to harvest a specific buck this year yet based off of historical trail camera pictures. And, uh, that's something that as the season starts rocking and rolling after this baby comes out and I'm going to be spending a lot more time in the timber, I'm going to be balls deep in deer lab, looking at old pictures, looking at travel you know historic data when certain bucks were in certain areas what time of the month what time of their rut uh, whether it's pre-rut rut post-rut and use that information on how to how to go about hunting these deer whether i need to stay out of an area until a certain time or whether i need to jump in at a certain time based off of uh, um, you know this historical data that uh, deer lab will show you from your trail camera pictures and then wait for the right conditions and move in for the kill. And uh, that is my goal with Deer Lab this year. Again, go to DeerLab.com slash nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers. Sign up for a free 30-day trial uh, period. And also look into some of the other cool uh, photo recognition uh, technology that they have just introduced. So something to keep in mind, go take a look at Deer Lab. Now, without further ado, let's get into today's CWD update podcast with Nick Penizzato of the National Deer Alliance. All right, joining us again, I'm not even sure if this is your second or third time on the podcast, but the CEO of the National Deer Alliance, Nick Penizzato. How are you doing today, Nick? I'm doing good, Dan, and I'm happy to be back. Thanks for, I must not screw it up too bad that you can keep inviting me back, so I appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. You're not horrible, so, uh, I mean, we, <laughs> we all, we're setting the bar. Right, right. You're not horrible. There's always room for, for improvement, right? Right, exactly. No, so, man, what's going on? Um, it's It's hunting season in some states. You live in Ohio. Is uh, hunting, has hunting started in Ohio yet? So we are less than two weeks away from our opener, which is always the last Saturday in September. Okay. And I would say I've been, I've been ready myself for about two weeks ahead of this. So I'll be, I'll be fully ready a month in advance, which I think just mostly comes with old age. So I'm a little more uh, ornery about it. Right. Which is crazy because you've had an addition to the family this year as well. Yeah, 
Yeah, our little guy Will is uh, ten months old here this week, and uh, he's a he's a rut baby. So his birthday <laughs> is uh, November November nineteenth. And I'm looking forward to as he grows up when we give us a good excuse to say we need to go on a hunt to celebrate Will's birthday. So that's Absolutely. Uh, something to look forward to. Absolutely. Now, um, other than hunting your home state in Ohio, are you uh, planning any other trips this uh, fall? Yeah, I have some plans this year. Uh, probably a little less than I had in the past because of the little one, but uh, that's okay. I'm going to Delaware for a whitetail hunt on a QDMA legacy property there, which is people say you're going to go hunt whitetails in Delaware. I never heard of it, but there are actually some really nice deer there on a managed property. So looking forward to doing that. And also a little bit later in the year after Thanksgiving, I'm going to be heading to South Dakota to hunt mule deer, which is something I've done in the past and really enjoy hunting there. And uh, that'll be plenty for me this fall, but I'm looking forward to all that. Absolutely. I am, uh, I've always been, I guess enthralled with hunting the prairie states like Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota, um, especially for giant mule deers. It's something that I've never, you know, I've only been on one Nebraska hunt. It was, it was kind of like a test the waters type of hunt, but after being out there in the sand hills and seeing like i'm a huge fan of the prairie man i don't know i love the mountains and stuff but i really like the the rolling hills of the prairie and um you know the the no trees environment the spot and stock environment um talk to us a little bit about what this mule deer hunt in north dakota is going to uh consist of yeah and you were actually heightening my senses there as you were talking about it because (laughs) i love those areas as well, I, I fell in love with them when I lived in North Dakota for a while. Um, fell in love with the Badlands in particular. These right. are really unique features, and maybe if even if you haven't hunted there, maybe you've at least seen pictures or visited as on a vacation or something along those lines. But I really love hunting that environment, and it's it's unique because it's not it's certainly not Midwest woodlands and ag fields, and it's also not high country. It's kind of somewhere in the middle. Right. And it's not all that different from the sand hills that you talked about in, in Nebraska, but you've got these really cool, unique land features and it's beautiful. And you just, it's, it's, I call it, a, it's a place you cannot take a bad picture. Every picture is a good one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a great place to hunt deer. And so in South Dakota, I'll be hunting on the, it's a, actually a Sioux reservation, Pine Ridge reservation. And they have some really outstanding Badlands kind of features there. So um, it's just a beautiful area to hunt deer. South Dakota is a, I don't think you can call it a sleeper state anymore. I don't think those exist, but it continues to get a lot more, uh, I guess, press would be the right word and be a people understanding that's a great deer state, whether you want to hunt a whitetail or a mule deer. So I'm certainly looking forward to going out there. Right. Now, is the tag that you have mule deer only, or can you pick and choose if you see like a, a buck you want to go after? That's a white tail. Can you shoot a white tail as well? Yeah, yeah. And as a matter of fact, uh, my my guide out there, who's actually uh, is a, a member of the Sioux tribe, there. He when we first had that discussion the first time I was there, and I, I asked that question, and. Uh, he said, yeah, it's, you know, you can shoot either. And I said, well, if I see a big white tail, I, it's going to be hard for me to turn that down, even though I was out there for mule deer. So right. um, I assume that I mostly see mule deer, especially in that that environment, but it's not 
out of the question that you might cross paths with a good whitetail as well. Absolutely. That's what I did when I went out to um, uh, Nebraska. Like it's almost what you would say western Nebraska, north of Ogallala, uh, in, into the sand hills. Uh, my my thought was I'm going to go out and I'm going to see mule deer bucks all over the place, right? Which I didn't see any mule deer bucks at all. I saw a lot of mule deer does, but I saw some really good whitetail bucks uh, while I was out there as well. So my sh- my focus kind of shifted towards the whitetail pattern by the end of the trip to you know to try to intercept uh, one of these. Uh, one, you know, one of these whitetail bucks, but you've been out there before, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I've been in the sand hills as well, and uh, know the areas generally that you're talking about. And you know, I will say, a lot of the times, if I if I'm trying to hunt mule deer and I start seeing a lot of whitetail bucks, I know that I'm probably not going to be seeing a lot of mule deer. They don't generally. I don't want to say that they go out of their way to not get along, but they don't generally enjoy each other's company that much yeah and a a whitetail buck is even though it body wise and and antler size can be typically smaller than a mule deer they're actually way more aggressive and they will run mule deer right out of their own range so um you probably made the right decision when you were seeing whitetails to start focusing on them right i also heard that certain states and i think i read this in nebraska that certain parts where that where the mule deer herd is kind of receding due to uh whitetail population increasing that they have certain parts where there's unlimited tags like you can go back and shoot as many whitetail does as you want to try to thin that population down so that they're not because of their aggressive tendencies they're not pushing all those mule deer out of the area yeah, I mean, I think there's some management strategies that states are using to protect these traditional mule deer ranges. I mean, we obviously, we're going to get into this, we have our problems with whitetails. Right. For sure, but, you know, mule deer are the more the more threatened species overall by a number of different things. So, for example, they're very sensitive to things like uh, oil and gas development, which is huge back where I still hunt in North Dakota. I like to to do some backpack hunting in the Badlands there still, even though I don't live there anymore, but there's been a lot of gas development. Right. And there's been a number of studies that show the sensitivities that mule deer have to that, and let alone terrible winters sometimes out in the West. You know, if you followed any of the news the National Deer Alliance put out earlier this year about Wyoming in particular, there were areas where they had radio collared, I think, 70 mule deer fawns. Uh, heading into last year and all 70 70 of them died in a very harsh winter to give you an idea of what that that poor animal has to deal with so um yeah anytime you can manage to to keep those traditional mule deer habitats as mule deer habitats i think i think that's a good thing right right well it sounds like you got your hands full or you know with the with the new kid and the uh well not not freshly new anymore i mean he's 10 months old but you got your uh you got your two out-of-state trips that you're going on uh sounds like you're you're gonna have a, a fun fall yeah absolutely and i'm looking forward to it and uh yeah yeah things are a little different in my world it's, it's not it's gonna maybe it'll make me even appreciate it even more so i'm looking forward to it well i tell you what you're older than me but i have different types of experience uh than the <laughs> that I'm going to offer you. I don't know if you and your wife are one and done or if you're going to be thinking about more children, but I bet you I have my third child. This is being recorded on 
on a Monday, but by the end of this week, I will have my third child. So my wife is super pregnant with a third. So if you are planning on having more children, hunt as much as you possibly can right now. That's what I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Well, I'm super excited for you, Dan. And I know, uh, this is like you said, your third, but I'm sure you're excited as well as your wife. And, uh, but no, we're, we're certainly one and done. We're old to begin with to be having kids. I was 42 and I found out my wife was pregnant. She was 40. And it's a, it's a bit of a miracle that, uh, that he's even, that we were able to have him period. So we're going to take that and be happy with it. And, uh, you know, I've, I've already taken the, uh, this is my advice to you. There are, there are things that you can do as a adult male to make sure that doesn't happen again and uh, involves involves a a little a little procedure and um, i can tell you that it's probably not as bad as it sounds (laughs) i I was thinking i was thinking about starting a gofundme page to uh, see if the listeners of this podcast would pay for it well you know they might because you're pretty beloved and they probably wouldn't mind uh cracking jokes at your expense knowing that you're laid up for a few days and you know that for me that was the hardest part. It was just having to sit there and do nothing right. for a week. And you know, some people might say, "Man, I'd love to sit there and do nothing for a week." But if you know me at all, uh, that was a very difficult thing. So, right. uh, but at any rate, that, that, that's my advice for the for today's show. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, all right. So we're going to change the subject from uh, vasectomies to a, a more serious topic, <laughs> and that is CWD. Now. We've talked about CWD on this show a, a handful of times with a handful of guests, but recently, as and I, I think it was what two months ago, three months ago, you went to a research facility um, that studied CWD. Why don't you share with us what what the, those guys were doing, what some of the research they were doing entails, and, and just kind of share with us that information. Yeah, so it turns out that I actually live two hours away from the only prion center in the country called the, uh, it's a very long name, but essentially it's the National Prion Surveillance Center, and it's based at Case Western Reserve University near Cleveland. And they, as I'd said, they're the only center of its type in the United States, and they're one of these centers in a number of countries across the world, but that's our prion center. And I had originally heard of them and it. There was an article that was in the Milwaukee journal Sentinel talking about this prion center and how they uh, may be in trouble budget wise because the, the existing draft of the federal budget at that time had about $3 million missing in the budget for them, which would keep them going uh, through the center for disease control. And I had just read that article because they also talked about CWD, and they they primarily work on human diseases. So CJD, Crutchfield-Jacobson's disease, uh, was their primary focus, but they were starting to also look more at CWD and wanting to do more research and to see if there were any links to humans and all these things. And then it wasn't 24 hours later, I got a phone call from these folks. And they said, hey, um, we feel like we should talk because you have needs and we have needs and we think they're similar. And it comes down to the need for funding for research for CWD. We think we should have a discussion about that. And then within, I'd say, maybe even just a week later, I was in my truck driving up to Case Western Reserve and sat down with the team up there, got a chance to tour the Prion Center, and developed a really, I think, productive working relationship right off the bat around this idea that this is not a time to be cutting budgets for prion research of prion diseases. In fact, it's time to be increasing budgets so that we can do more 
And since that time, we've continued to work with the folks at the Prion Center, had another follow-up meeting with their lobbyist in D.C. a few weeks ago, and uh, it's been productive. So, you know, I think it's important for us as an outdoor community, we need to support the human health side that, that wants, to, wants to and is capable of doing really important research that, you know, right now, for example, if you shoot a deer and you're in a CWD area, it's going to take you a while to get a result back as to whether or not that deer is positive and whether or not you're going to eat it. And we'd like to eventually get to the point where there's a pretty rapid test you could do in the field and know pretty quickly whether or not that deer is positive or not. Right. A live animal test uh, for for uh, for deer would be another good one. Or just a, you know, how do we how do we get rid of prions? Can you get rid of them? How do you how do you even, you know, you, could you imagine the idea of finding a way, a cure for the, for the disease and to stop it? Right. So these are things that we need to continue to work on and not cut budgets and not, and not work on. And, and those, that's what we're trying to make sure happens up there. Right. So when you were up there, uh, you found out this CJD, uh, Jacobson's disease, and the CWD, they're, they're both prions, right? Do they have any relationship uh, to each other? Yeah, so they're both prion diseases. The, the closest relationship, I would say, is, um, you know, the, the CJD affects humans very similarly to how CWD uh, affects deer. And that is, and, it's, and it's, a, it's a really horrific disease. And this center, one of the things they do is they have to work very closely with families who have loved ones who end up with CJD. And it's a very uh, sobering um, just a horrific way to, to die. You get the, to get the diagnosis, you know that it's terminal and it, it's just, it doesn't get better. It just gets worse and worse until eventually the person who's infected perishes. And, you know, it's much the same way with CWD and deer. And when they're infected, they're going to die from it unless they happen to get shot by a hunter first or hit by a car or something along these lines, but it's a hundred percent fatal. Right. Um, you know, but we talked about one of the things that was a little bit disappointing about the article that I referenced earlier from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel was that they didn't say it specifically, but they made some innuendos that there could potentially be some link between an increase in CJ, say CJD cases related to CWD. And that's one of the things we're nervous about because that is, you know, sort of irresponsible journalism, if you will. Uh, because people read these things, we're a headline reading society, and the next thing you know, you're thinking, well, we have, you know, there's got to be a link because there's increased cases in CJD, and we have all these CWD deer in Wisconsin, for example, was where I think they were mostly focused on in terms of the article, and people can jump to conclusions pretty quickly. Right. Um, my discussions with the Prion Center folks, and particularly the the head scientist there, Dr. Yuri Safar, um, said, well, we certainly want to look at these things, but no, there has been no link made between the two. We're just doing the responsible thing scientifically to make sure you know, that there's no relationship. He said, because quite frankly, one of the things we know is we, we have a lot better testing and monitoring of the CJD than we did before. And we also have a aging population, and that's, that's the segment of the population that tends to get hit with this disease more older folks. So he said, we're just learning about more of the cases. So um, it's it's not fair to jump to a conclusion and say that there's any relationship between CJD and CWD. So, right. um, again, we're a headline reading society, and you can see where people could jump to that conclusion. Right. So, on social media, 
You know, everybody's flipping through their their feeds and they see an article. And I, I fell victim to this too. I mean, we had a conversation on this right before we started recording where I read a headline and it said research, uh, something about research showing that CWD could potentially jump to humans. What's wrong with, other than irresponsible journalism, what's wrong with publishing an article like that? And then what do we need to do as readers and deer hunters to either fact check that or, you know, follow up on an article so we're not spreading rumors, so to speak? Yeah, and then I'll just, the, I think what you're referencing is there was a study done on macaque monkeys that was the study or research was based from Alberta University of Alberta. And these monkeys over time were introduced to CWD infected venison over a number of years. Uh, some of them had had the, you know, the prions essentially injected right into their brains. Others were uh, fed or they were fed high amounts of it through feeding tubes. So it wasn't a natural eating situation. But they were fed this material, high amounts of this infected material, uh, over a period of time, and they came down with CWD. And, you know, eventually all the monkeys, there's some that are still alive, but they eventually will all die, the ones that were infected. And so, therefore, when the results of this study were put out there, it caused people to uh, get nervous, might be an understatement, but it certainly caused a lot of alarm. even though macaque monkeys are not human beings, they are the closest to human beings that we're allowed to do testing on. So it, it does raise a red flag. Now there are a lot of different questions about about how the science or how the experiments were done, how the research was done, that is different than how you or I would ever consume venison. You know, we're going to give ourselves a large amount of feeding tubes, for example. Right. Um, we're not macaque monkeys; we're human beings, so we are different. Uh, you know, there's just a lot of gaps there. But, you know, that I'm not trying to downplay the, the science, though, either, because it is something that you need to pay attention to. And it tells us that we need to continue to do research and make sure that we still have a disease that will not jump the species barrier and end up with human beings. Because uh, one of the things that a lot of researchers will caution you on and say, well, whenever mad cow was first discovered, they didn't think it could jump to humans either. But then we eventually learned that it could. And in the meantime, prions are continually evolving and they could, you know, find some way to jump that barrier. But for now, anyway, there's never been any evidence that human beings can catch CWD, although the Center for Disease Control says, hey, we recommend if you shoot a deer, you get it tested. And if it tests positive, we recommend you don't eat it. And you might not want to just because of that peace of mind anyway. So that's just a personal decision you need to make. Um, so that's that's the science I think you're referring to there. But in terms of the sensationalism, this is a challenge, right? Because we have now all of a sudden you've got not just outdoor writers, but now a whole other group of writers who have to write a certain number of articles each year. And they get evaluated based on how many people are reading their articles and how many times their articles are getting shared. And so it's very easy for a person not educated in our world to just start writing the sensational articles with sensational headlines and it becomes clickbait and works out for them. The downside for us is we see people reading these things, even, even like yourself, you said, you know, you're, you're someone who's 
been around this a long time, very experienced uh, hunter, understand the issues, but you saw it too, and it was concerning. Uh, you know, you've got mothers and grandmothers sitting around the table saying, you know, well, you know, little Johnny or Jenny, if if you're going to take them hunting, are they going to eat that deer? And if, well, if they're not going to eat it, then why are we going to shoot it? And the next thing you know, we continue to see plummets in license sales. Uh, people don't get as excited about deer hunting anymore. And that's a that's a bigger problem than just deer hunting, because when you think about it, our state wildlife agencies, that's one of the biggest way they're funding funded is through hunting license sales. And when you consider that the deer hunting industry alone is more than 80% of the entire hunting industry, you know, now you're not just talking about a deer issue. You're talking about state wildlife agencies that can't manage anything, even non-game species, songbirds. Uh, that's a scary thought that changes that changes the way we manage wildlife in this country, period. That's right. that's how big of a piece of the pie that deer are. So it's just a very slippery slope we're on right now, and we just we need to do our best to get the right information out there and good information so that people can make you know their own informed decisions. Yeah, I, I heard a, uh, or I read an article a while back about the value of, like let's say like a big game species that could potentially get uh, CWD and we'll just, we'll, we'll continue with whitetail, you know, mm-hmm. once the, once the, if there's no value to that animal anymore, then there's, then there's no point in the conservation efforts anymore because the, the article basically talked about what you just said, the, the slippery slope or, or the avalanche that what, you know, if CWD is really a species terminator, basically, uh, then there's no value to that animal if we can't hunt it, if we can't eat it. And, and then that has uh, an avalanche not only of socially, but economically as well. Absolutely. I mean, so, for example, when's the last time you and your buddies got together and talked about your last good rat hunt you went on? Right. Or when you worked on a habitat project so that you could have more rats in your neighborhood. And, <laughs> you know, you, you yeah. laugh about it, but it's, it's, it's true. That's the reality. Yeah. Why would you be doing, you know, so many people buy land now and they do habitat projects on private land. And then you've got all these other great projects that we do on on public land. Why would you bother to even do that anymore? If deer are essentially vermin, if yeah. if the goal is to, you know, worse yet, treat them like rats, but to, but to eliminate them because you find that there's, you know, a link that they're passing on CWD prions to agriculture, for example. Right. You, right. you find that type of situation, and and every that's in the food stream, that's in mainstream in the mainstream food stream. Everyone's just going to want them all dead. Right. And that's a completely different equation and one that, frankly, I don't want to envision because I will not sleep, yeah, <laughs> nor, will, nor will any of your listeners. Right, absolutely. Now, you, you're you in a role where you it almost I almost feel like there's times where you have to become a translator of content, right? Like what you said today, um, I thought that maybe – the, this article kind of freaks a lot of guys out and it says, Hey, there's a potential, there's potentially a, a CWD can jump to humans. And then you have to turn around and say, there is currently no factual data that says that CWD can jump to humans, right? How much of your job is, is 
running as a buffer between the the bullshit and then what the the hunting community needs to hear. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a it's a balancing act. Um, you know, the, the first thing too is we also don't want to. It would be just as irresponsible for us to say that there is no concern. Okay. Right. So I want to make sure that's clear too. We're, we're concerned. We should all be concerned and we should all pay attention and we should all know what's going on. But at the same time, the facts are the facts. And we're one of the things we struggle with the most is working on the messaging and getting all of the state wildlife agencies and all the uh, NGO or nonprofit organizations like mine, other deer groups that, to get a consistent message out there that's the right message, that's the scientifically backed message so that people understand they can sift through it, like you said. So the science says that there is no, that CWD it does not jump the species bear to human beings. That's the state of the science right now. That, that doesn't mean we don't, we just quit worrying about it and we don't look, look to see if it ever can, but right now it has never happened. And if you think about you know, the millions of deer that are shot and eaten every year by millions of people, that's pretty significant, right? I mean, that's pretty telling. I have to say that I don't feel very nervous going out there and hunting and shooting a deer and eating it this year. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's important that we get the messaging out. We definitely find ourselves in these positions where we answer, we have to answer a lot of questions. I get emails about it. I get phone calls about it. I get family members who see me out, you know, hey, what do you think of this? Is it really an issue? Um, but that's, that's part of what we're here to do. And I think we're, we're doing the best we can right now. Right. So also as the CEO of the national deer Alliance, you are a buffer between, uh, the hunters and, uh, the, the politicians as well. Is there a concern mm-hmm. right now, or have you been approached by any, um, politicians or someone that may their their main focus may not be the well-being of an animal but yet they represent a group of individuals who might be scared of this happening my understanding is that we'll, we'll talk on the federal level is that these these questions and concerns are coming up more often i just had a really good meeting in dc i say it's been three weeks ago now with some of my colleagues there we're, we're working on a bona fide strategy for getting our message to Capitol Hill, get there with the right information so that they're armed with it and can understand not only how it affects their constituency, but also what can they do? Can they introduce a bill, for example, that might send some funding to help our states monitor CWD in their state? It could also provide some money for some more research, understanding the billions and billions of dollars of impact this is, not just monetarily uh, on our economy, but just look at the social value. Right. Uh, the family value. This is a very, you know, hunting is a, certainly there's the small percentage of people that just hate our guts and always will. The reality is most of America embraces this idea of getting your own food and being able to hunt and hunting seasons being a part of life and being a part of family. I mean, those are road as well. So those are things that we want to make sure that our decision makers are aware of and that we're doing our best to educate them. Right. Right. Now on the flip side, it's it's hunting season right now. A lot of states are already in hunt mode or just about ready to get into hunt mode with the you know on October first, and the the social media feeds are and and the blogs that are being 
posted, you know, aside from the National Deer Alliance, it's all about strategy. It's all all about, hey, look what I just killed. Hey, look at this is how, you know, this is how you're going to kill a big buck and this is how to hunt mm-hmm. and, and all these, um, you know, all the, the happy things that go along with, you know, deer disease like CWD. And I'm again reminded that we – I feel that we are not taking this serious enough. Um, what would you have to say about that comment? Yeah, I mean, I look at it, there's a couple of different ways of looking at it. I mean, number one, I'm glad that people are enjoying the sport. I'm glad that people are writing about the fun things because that's what keeps us excited and motivated. Sometimes I have to step away and just read, you know, the 10,000th article I've ever read on what the secret <laughs> of the rut is because right. I think maybe someday I'll actually find it. Um, you know, the mysteries of it all. I mean, we, we love that. Even our, even our own polling that we've been doing recently in our NDA newsletter has been focused on the rut and what factors you think influence it. So we, we have to keep that heritage and we have to keep that excitement. Um, so that's important. I do think though, that we, there, there is a percentage more that we can step up and talk about these big picture issues. You know, that's what we do at the national deer Alliance. So that's, you're going to get mostly that from us. And I think that's our job. Right. You're going to get that from some of the other deer groups as well. QDMA, Mule Deer Foundation, Whitetails Unlimited. They're going to talk about it. But they're going to still focus mostly on what you can do for better deer, better habitat, better hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we, we overall, yeah, I look at industry. I'm, I'm a little nervous about industry, manufacturers and retailers. You know, they... I, I feel my view is that there, there's more that could be done there. I, I see, unfortunately, a pretty significant segment of that group that just more or less would wish that CWD would go away yeah, and not talk about it because they don't want to scare customers. I get that. People that want to sell land to, to folks who want to manage it for deer, they would hope it would go away because they don't want to hear potential buyers walking away from it because they're concerned about why am I going to buy this land and improve it and only to have a CWD issue. Right. So I would, I would like to see industry as a whole embrace this a little bit more and maybe uh, contribute a, a certain percentage less to maybe the, and I know this is very hard and it's unrealistic, but maybe just a percentage less to just the excitement part of it and, and understand that if there are no deer, or if hunting the hunting the deer hunting landscape changes dramatically, it's going to put a lot of people out of business. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, it, it will. And and I don't want to say it's not all of them. I mean, we've got we've got some that are very good about giving to the issue, um, that are concerned about wild deer. They're concerned about their business, and they understand that they have a role to play. So it's not everybody. But if you are a uh, what do I want to say a um, consistent buyer of a certain brand and you're wondering whether or not they're focused on this issue if they're contributing toward it pick up the phone and give them a call send them an email post on their facebook page hey hearing a lot about this issue i'd like to know that you know x company that i've supported as a consumer over so many years is concerned about it and doing something what are you guys doing right and find out and then you can make your buying decisions based on who's working on it and who's just hoping it goes away Right. And it's definitely something. And I mean, this, this is how my relationship with you started is when I approached you at the ATA show and said, man, I am pissed off that there's no, it's, you know, 
there's no voice of conservation here. You know, obviously that the ATA show has uh, its priorities and that's to set up dealers and make money and push product and all that stuff. But I keep going back to this whole, you can't, you can't sweep it, something like this under the rug. Right. And, and, and wish, like you said, wish it goes away. There has got to be some kind of education process and some of that money that these guys, some of these companies are making millions and millions of dollars off these hunters and not in giving zero dollars to conservation efforts. Right. And it's stuff like that that pisses me off because without that, without this natural resource, you are broke. You have no money. There is no, there is no um, brand. Your brand does not exist without a white-tailed deer. So, and, and to see that these companies are not really catching on to that or realizing that, it, it, it's almost insulting to, uh, I'm not going to say I'm an educated hunter, but I follow the industry enough to know that CWD is an issue. Conservation is an issue, and it's a bigger issue than one than what most acknowledge. Yeah, and that's that's a fair statement, and uh, that's why I say you got to just you have to ask. Yeah, you know, we have a, a social media. I mean, that's a. I'm not asking you to go out and stir up a bunch of trouble for somebody, <laughs> but I think it's totally because <laughs> we know that can happen too. Yep, but I think right. it's, it's totally fair for a consumer to. Ask ask the people that they're buying product from. Hey, this is important to me. What are you, are you involved? Are you supporting it, or are you just you know is all your money going to marketing, or just hey, I just want to know what you're doing. I want to feel right. better about shooting your broadhead, for example, knowing that you know I'm I'm contributing to a company that's giving back to this issue, or the rifle I'm using, the ammo, the tree stand, right. you name it. Right. Um. And I, and I think that'll give you some peace of mind, and, and maybe, and, and in fairness to to our manufacturers and retails retailers, a lot of them they're just so engrossed in their own business too that they don't aren't necessarily as up on the issue that well either. Right, absolutely. So some of them it's just an education point. Like, well, you know what? I better get some more information because I I need to see where we need to be on this and see how we can get involved in some way. So I'm not asking anybody to cause any trouble. I'm just saying, don't be afraid to ask the question. You have that right as a consumer for sure. Right, absolutely. Now, I want to elaborate on that point just a, a little bit more. If you had a room full of manufacturers who are currently not um, donating any resources, and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to just use dollar amounts. I'll use, let's say, like volunteer work um, or uh time right so time is a valuable resource because it all boils down to money but you know either a dollar amount or time to a conservation effort you know specifically cwd what would you tell them or say to them to convince them to change their mind or change their policies yeah i mean i think the first thing i would say is i can promise you this is the biggest threat to your way of life than what you have ever seen since you've been in this business that's the attention getter. And there's, there's been nothing to this point that has been this concerning that you have ever seen to this magnitude is what we're dealing with right now. Right. Therefore you need to ask yourself, what is the future of my business? And what is the future of deer and deer hunting? Because this, they're, they're related, they're tied, they're married. 
they're married to each other. Right. And that doesn't mean you need to give half of your business to, to deal with CWD. That's not right. it at all. But by everybody just giving a little bit, right. you know, let's, let's say that, Hey, you know, we, you know, X, X tree stand company, we are concerned about this issue and we are dedicating dedicated to giving 2% of our sales this year towards CWD monitoring and research. Right. Okay. You know, that's could, depending on the company could be tens of thousands of dollars could be $500 for a small company. Right. That all adds up. We, you know, you and I had this conversation few months ago we were talking about supporting the nda and you'd run the fundraiser for us and you asked me in one time well what would you know would this kind of contribution even make a difference they all make a difference you know five hundred dollars makes a difference and it also sets an example for other people if you see your competitors for example are doing that then you better do it as well because it's going to come up in conversation uh, you know among hunters and you you don't want to be one of these companies by the way where you We've seen it in the past where you, someone slips up and does something silly, maybe contributes to HSUS or something, even unknowingly, and just how the fire and pitchforks come out of social media right. and can darn near shut you down, right? We're not, that can happen, you know, if, if you're someone that's not supporting and working on these issues. Again, not advocating for that at all, but it's just, you have to, I think it's everyone's responsibility to be a player at some level. And, um, you know, everybody, has, everybody can do something. Everybody right. can do something. Right. So to to the guy out there who may be listening to this for the first time, because I, I pretty much beat it into the, you know, a beat a dead horse when it comes to, you know, let's say the National Deer Alliance you know, how I, or the QDMA or the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, whatever conservation effort you want to follow, go follow it. But let's say for the guy and specifically, again, about CWD, who comes across this podcast for the first time and says to mm-hmm. himself, man, I didn't think CWD was a was a big deal. Why should that person be concerned about CWD? Well, it's because if, if they want to if they want to make sure that their their sport has a bright future. I mean, a bright future for hunters, a bright future for deer and conservation. They should be concerned. Frankly, people not even listening to your show, just the average person that doesn't even hunt, they need to be concerned. Because it goes back to what I said earlier. If we're being honest about it, it's a deer that are fueling the entire fire right. that raises money for for our state wildlife agencies to manage wildlife, all wildlife. Right. You take that out of the equation the landscape changes completely. So it's, it's an issue for everybody to be concerned about and be aware of. Um, you know, it's not, there's a lot we need to learn yet. And I think we need to be careful of sensationalism like we talked about earlier, but you need to be, you need to be informed. You need to be aware and pay attention to what's going on. Follow your state wildlife agency, these folks. And I know that there are, you know, pick a state. There are always trust issues. Everyone thinks the game agency is out to get them. I can tell you, I work with these people throughout the year. I just came back from Utah, the Association for Fish and Wildlife Agencies meeting. I'm, I'm there with just about every state in the country. These people are working really hard to keep you informed. They're putting out the best information they can as they have it. Subscribe to their newsletters. Follow that information. If you have questions, call the agency and find out what to do if you're concerned that you 
you're hunting in a CWD area, for example. So it's really just about being a little bit more informed and finding out if there are ways that you can participate to help with the issue. Because really, we're all we're protecting something that we all care deeply about and love. And it's it's truly going to take teamwork to to make a difference. Absolutely. So, is there any other interesting? Um, research that's being currently done to either let's say on the scary end or on the um on on the optimistic end about you know maybe like finding a cure or um you know finding something that will slow it down i mean i think some of that is it's it's there's a lot of ongoing stuff that's been going on even stuff that was going on at the prion center if it was more specific to CJD, it's still information. It could be very important and helpful to CWD because it's a prion disease. Uh, Canada has a big chunk of money for research up there. I believe they got, it was last year or the year before, it was 15 to $17 million that the University of Alberta got to do research. So there's stuff going on. I mean, there, how do you, how does CWD potentially get transferred through vegetation, for example, or how do you, is it possible to decontaminate a site that had CWD? So if you had a deer farm where it was found, for example, is there a way that you can go in and actually de- or decontaminate that site? Those types of things are, are all going on. One of our challenges is to try to track that better, understand what people are doing so we're not duplicating. And I think that all goes back to what we talked about earlier with messaging and going to decision makers and making sure we're going for the right thing. Right. Okay. And uh, one of the last questions I want to ask here today is, let's say a guy listens to this and he becomes motivated and he wants to do something. What should that person do? Well, be informed. Share that information with your buddies when you're in a group and you hear somebody saying something that's not accurate. If you have the accurate information, there's an opportunity to make sure it is accurate. Um, Perception. It tends to be reality if you get enough people saying the wrong thing. Um, you know, so just be careful of that messaging. I think that's that's the biggest thing. I don't CWD is not an easy thing for the average you know deer hunter to get terribly involved with right now because right now we're just we're we're learning and we're paying attention. If you live in an area where you have CWD, understand for example why your state wildlife agency needs to harvest a certain number of deer in a particular area to understand the extent of the disease. So don't take it personally. This isn't your state wildlife agency trying to eliminate deer hunting or hurt the deer hunter. That would be the worst thing they would ever do for business. Right. right. Uh, so be understanding and don't be afraid to hunt. You know, don't, this is not a time to just say, well, this might be the year I give it up because I'm just concerned about this CWD and, I don't know if I want to do it anymore. I mean, you need to embrace the sport. You need to enjoy the sport. And I think when you're out there, just remind yourself of why it is that you love it and why you care about it. And then the next thing you know, I think you're going to find yourself fighting hard to make sure that it's still here. So, right. you know, then that involves being willing to talk to your legislator, write letters, weigh in on, on issues. Um, so I guess there, there's probably even more that, more that you could do than I, than I even realize as I sit here and think about it. Right. Right. Now, if uh, you are the CEO of the National Deer Alliance, if uh, people want to find out more information about the NDA, where should we send them? What should they do? Yep. NationalDeerAlliance.com is our website. Our Facebook page is very active as well. Just search, search for us on Facebook and Instagram. 
is where we're the most active. We have a Facebook live show that we try to do every week called Coffee and Deer, where we tend to get into these types of issues. We've done shows on CWD in the past. Um, so, yeah, we're an information provider, and we, we think we provide the, the most and accurate information that's out there on CWD and a number of issues. So if you want to keep informed, we're a good place to do that. Perfect. Well, Nick, as always, it is a pleasure to have you on the show and spread the good word. Uh, educate us a little bit. Uh, thanks for taking time to uh, hop on today. No, and thank you for dedicating several of your shows to this issue and other ones. And that's how it gets out there. Uh, folks like yourself being willing to do that. So I appreciate it. I'm sure you'd much rather be talking about the hottest new products that are going to be out there <laughs> killing big deer. So thank you for doing that, Dan. And there you have it, another podcast in the books. Huge shout out to our good buddy at the National Deer Alliance, Nick Penizzato. Uh Thanks for coming on, taking the time to update us and uh, share the good word. Please, if you haven't already, go become a member of the National Deer Alliance. It is well, 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 well worth it. Uh, will come your way on uh, basically how to be a better educated hunter and how to become better educated sportsmen uh, overall so uh, just something to be uh, cautious or not cautious about but uh, something to think about uh, as this season starts to rock and roll other than that huge shout out to everybody 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 who has taken time to download and listen to this podcast if you haven't already please go to wherever it is that you get your podcast whether that's itunes stitcher podbean beanpod or um, what else, what else, what else? I mean, there's a whole bunch of different places. Wherever you download podcasts, please subscribe to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast RSS feed because you're not getting one. You're getting three podcasts, the Lane and Legacy podcast and the DIY Sportsman's podcast, which is coming this Thursday. Um, I really am excited about both of those podcasts. They, those guys have a lot to offer. So please subscribe to this RSS feed. Subscribe to this podcast and you'll get a ton of information coming your way. Huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast. The title sponsor, Exodus Trail Cameras, Deer Lab, Lone Wolf, Ozonics, Gearhead Archery, Wasp Archery, Ripcord Arrow Rests, and Bighorn Outfitters. I believe that's everybody. Thanks to them. Without them, uh, none of this is possible. And, uh, you know, please go out and support the companies that support this podcast. That really means a lot to not only me, but to those guys, to those guys as well, obviously. And, uh, you know, if you don't know already, there are a ton of discounts. So please pay attention during this podcast. And just like uh, today, today with Deer Lab, um, there is a ton of great deals with the partners of this podcast and uh, I share them every week please follow me on iTunes Twitter Instagram Facebook <laughs> and uh, man I just want to say thank you uh, because I have a lot of fun doing this um, I know it's just one guy talking but I really appreciate your guys' uh, support uh, it means a lot to me, and I got my goal is to continue to do this and uh, get you guys pertinent information and be as real as possible and, um, and just keep grinding just like you guys are. So thank you for that. And uh, the season's here, and I say this all the time, and I mean it all the time. Wear your damn 
safety harness. Have a good rest of the week.